Amen. Thank you, choir and, and praise team. We have spent the majority of this season in Lent kind of looking at objects or, or symbols that, that we connect often to our faith journey. Some have been more obvious than others, right? Uh, dust on Ash Wednesday, uh, bread on Communion Sunday, the crosses we see in church or, or wear around our necks, and, and other objects or symbols have been a, a little less obvious, more obscure. Shoes, coins, oil. With today being Palm Sunday, there are multiple directions we could have gone, and my guess is you can think one of them. There are multiple places that we, we, we could have gone. We, we could have gone with, with the palms. We, we, we could have gone with the stones. We could have gone with the colt or the donkey. There's a lot of different places we could have gone. We are going to take today and, and really the next few days as we prepare for Monday, Thursday, thinking about a, a, a kind of lesser known part of, of the story on Palm Sunday about the coats or the outer tunics that were laid on the colt or the donkey. Colt and, and cloak, by the way, are really hard to say back to back to one another. Um, as, as they are put together, as they're put together, we're, we're going to think about what that means, especially what that means as we participate in the story of Easter, as we give of ourselves to participate in bringing God's kingdom into our communities in the here and now. The image of people taking off their outer garment and placing them on the donkey or the colt that Jesus rode and laying them on, on the road along with the palms, it reminds us, it reminds us that following Jesus requires action. It requires us to do something with what we claim to believe. But coats, again, aren't typically what we think of on Palm Sunday. Instead, I, I tend to think of one of three images. Of course, there's, there's the palms, which we waved earlier. Then there's the donkey, donkey or the colt. And, and I can't help but think of Palm Sunday and, and remember preaching in Malawi about eight years ago, nine years ago, 13 years ago, um, <laughs> in, in, in a Malawian village on a Palm Sunday and, and looking out, out the sanctuary door, the, the building door was a classroom, uh, and, and seeing as I opened the scripture text, a donkey sitting in the field. And having all the kids who were sitting in front saying, saying to them, Hey, what noise does that make? And what do you think I expected to hear? Eeyah. And instead they cried out, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. And every time I arrived at the village after that, I was greeted with, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. So I, I can't think of Palm Sunday and not think of the donkey or, or the colt. And, and the third image that sticks out to me is, is the road the road that goes down into the valley where, where Jesus wandered. It, it, this, this road or really path, it, it starts in the place where, where Jesus paused and he looked over the holy city of Jerusalem and wept because he knew what was coming. There's no way his disciples could have. There's no way the city of Jerusalem itself could have known. But, but he knew. So he paused and he wept. Before visiting this road in person, I always pictured it being much, much wider, being a, a, a big road, 
Not a, a narrow path with houses along the side of it, with walls protecting properties along the side of it. It's not hard to see how the crowd would have grown from a, a few to a large gathering, from a, a few at the start of the parade. And then as they heard Hosanna, as they, they, they saw, as people got excited, as the energy just kind of moved, that the crowd grew, because people were curious, what was happening? What was happening as they moved down this path toward the city walls? Luke describes what was happening in this way. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it, to, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, well, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Keep them under control. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two years ago, we were a few weeks into the pandemic when, when Palm Sunday arrived. And as Ed and I talked about how we were going to celebrate Palm Sunday when we, we couldn't come to church and wave palms, when we, we, couldn't, we couldn't sing the songs, the hosannas that we are so accustomed to sing, we said, what are we going to do? How are we going to celebrate it? And we thought, hey, everybody has palms at home in some way. But not the sort of palms that we, we think of. We said, hey, everybody's got them. Most of us have them and most of us can, can wave them. So some of you filmed yourselves waving your palms on Palm Sunday and sent them in. And we said, hey, it's a different sort of Palm Sunday, yes, but it's Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We used what we had. We used what we had to celebrate, to celebrate Palm Sunday. In many ways, that first Palm Sunday was similar. The crowds, they used what they had. Palm branches were common. They used what they had, a colt, the palm branches, even the coats they were wearing to celebrate Jesus riding into the city, to celebrate the arrival of the king. Today we're reminded that following Jesus, which is, is really about what Holy Week is all about, really what it's about Easter is all about, is, is how we participate in the story of what God has done for us in the person of Christ. That's why we're, we're celebrating. It's about being creative, using what we have to respond to what God has done so that other people might also experience God's kingdom, might know God's love, might feel God's grace. Now, we don't know all the details of what the, the people actually talked about as they walked down that path together. 
I've always liked to think they were talking about the, the food or the wine that they were going to have at Passover. They're talking about what, who was serving what and where they were going to eat. Or maybe some of the disciples asked about what Jesus was going to say when he finally got in front of the authorities. How was he actually going to confront them? We don't know the details, but Luke, Luke gives us a few highlights. It all starts with Jesus calling out to the two disciples on the Mount of Olives and asking them to go to get a colt or a donkey if you're reading Matthew or John. And the two disciples participate in that grand narrative of, of Holy Week, in that grand narrative of, of Easter by, by being obedient. They, they do what Jesus says. Now, there's a good chance that, that Jesus and even the, the two disciples that he sent in knew the owners of the cult. We, we don't really know. We, we do know that they were at the very least familiar with the city, that they had been there before multiple times. But what sticks out to me here is what happens as they go. Earlier in the gospel stories, when Jesus interacts with the disciples and he says, hey, go and do this, there's usually some sort of why. Or there's usually some sort of lesson that comes for it. There's usually some sort of, uh, I wouldn't maybe push back as too strong of a word, but there's, there's some sort of, can you at least let us in? Can you at least give us a little, little more? Why do we need to go? But here there's no questions asked. They just go. They don't spend time analyzing. They don't spend time strategizing. They don't spend time debating. They just do what Jesus asks. And while I, I definitely believe we're called to study God's word alone in small groups here together as a church family that we're definitely called to, to look at Scripture, to pick it apart, to grow as we do so. The warning for us here is to not always overcomplicate things. Sometimes we just have to do what Jesus says. It really is that, that, that simple. Love God and love neighbor. Love God and love neighbor. It's that simple. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's that simple. Pray this way. Not a whole lot of debate there. Pray this way. Sometimes we just have to do what Jesus calls us to do. And whenever we act on Jesus' teaching, whenever we're obedient with whatever it is that, that he instructs his people to do, we participate in bringing glimpses of God's kingdom into our world today. As the two disciples respond, we're given a model for obedience. Uh, so let's not overthink Jesus' words. Let's act on them. The disciples, they show up at the owner's house. And of course, as Jesus predicted, he, he asks, why do you need this? And the two disciples, they're obedient. So they say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. They don't make up a story. They don't use fancy words. They, they speak directly. They speak with clarity. Later during our, our service, I mentioned in the welcome that, that we're going to be ordaining and installing some, some new elders. Uh, and I was talking with, with somebody here earlier in the week, and they said, what does ordination mean? What does ordain mean? And I was on my way out, and I said, well, let me go to the car. I know I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have this answer. 
but, but I got to go pick up my kids. And as I got in my car and, and, and drove away, I thought, man, we have a lot of jargon in the church. We don't always speak clearly in the church. It wasn't that this person was new to faith. It was that this person was new to how we run and, and, and function as a church. What does ordain mean? Ordination is a simple act of acknowledging that God calls some of us to lead. That's what ordination means, that some of us are called to lead. And installation, whenever I think of the word installation, I, I don't like it, to be honest. It makes me think of a kitchen appliance. Um, but installation is we are installing that person for a season, to lead for a season. Anyone who's ever been ordained as an elder or a deacon, you, you've heard, whether it was me or another pastor, say once ordained, always ordained, but you're not always installed. But you're not always installed. Those are the difference. But as the disciples enter the village, they, they are, are straight to the point. There, there isn't any jargon. It's simple. They speak with clarity. And actually what they were doing was very common for their culture. It was within the law for a high-ranking and well-respected person, a, 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 a city official or a rabbi, to go to somebody's house and say, Hey, the city official needs your piece of personal property for a while. Or, hey, the rabbi, the rabbi Jesus, he needs, he needs your colder donkey. And it would have been an honor for that family to say, here you go. It was culturally acceptable. It was what was done. So one of my questions for us out of this text is, what does it look like for us to just speak with clarity in ways that our culture understands? To kind of move on from, from the jargon and to just speak a language that people get. The owners released the colt, and then Luke writes, the disciples brought it to Jesus, took the shirts or the coats off their backs, and put it on the colt. And along the path, others do the same thing, preparing the way for Jesus to enter Jerusalem. The disciples, as well as the other people in the crowd, they participate in the story again, using whatever they had to prepare. For whatever reason, Luke doesn't mention palm branches at all. Instead, we get, we get the coats in Luke. He's the only gospel writer who doesn't. In, in Jewish imagery, though, palm branches are, are usually reserved for the Feast of Tabernacles, which the Feast of Tabernacles is a, is a party, is a feast that looks toward the end of time. And Passover, which the people in Jerusalem were, were going to, to prepare, they're preparing, getting ready to, to celebrate, focuses on, on, on the sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins. So the combination of, of palms celebrating the, the, the arrival of the end times, that's what the Feast of the Tabernacle is. The, the combination of the palms and Passover is a powerful, powerful image. And we, we can't miss the way that everyone gave of what they had. I, I don't know if it's how it, it really happened, but when I picture this, this parade, I, I picture people laying down their coats along the path, along the road. Then as, as Jesus and the colt, they walk over it, they, they run to the back of it and they, they pick up their colts, they run to the back of the parade and then they, they bring them back forward. 
and just repeatedly keep running and going forward, keep running and going forward, that they continue to give what they have to celebrate the arrival of the king. I imagine it was tiring. But I also imagine it was a lot of fun. There there weren't people that, that just kind of sat and watched. They were all participants. This wasn't the Rose Parade. This wasn't a parade at Disneyland. This was an active parade where they they all participated. So maybe this week, in the same way that we we talked about shoes earlier in Lent, and I I kind of said every time you you tie your shoes, every time you put on your shoes, think about how how you're engaging in the story. Maybe every time that you, you put on your shirt, you think of how you can use what you have to give others glimpses of God's kingdom. Everyone was involved, calling out Hosanna, giving what they had to usher in the coming of the king. Everyone participated. And we know that because of what, what Luke writes next. Luke, Luke writes next that, that as they march, as they lay down their coats, that they, they sing out together, that they sing out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It's a song right out of Psalm 118. So there's a good chance it was familiar. There's a good chance that they, they knew it well enough that they could, they could sing along. And it was a song that was reserved for times when a king showed up at the temple, when royalty, a king showed up at the temple to worship God. And they're singing this song. In early Judaism, it was sung as a celebration, recognizing that God's plan was coming into fruition. God's kingdom was being ushered in. By using this song, the the crowds were declaring that Jesus was the king who was arriving with authority given by God. Every year when we enter Lent, someone will always ask about the fasting for 40 days. I'm, I'm a pastor, so they, of course, say, hey, tell me about this fasting for 40 days thing. And then they'll go and they'll count it out and, and they'll say, hey, I know there's, there's 40 days of fasting, supposedly. Um, why are there 46 days between Ash Wednesday and, and Easter? Any of you know that answer? No Sundays. Thank you, Aubrey. It's because Sunday, the Sabbath, even as you are fasting, Sunday, the Sabbath, is, is supposed to be a celebration. Every single Sunday, every time we gather to worship, it is a mini Easter celebration. So all the folks that set up all the celebration for, for Palm Sunday today, we're going to do it again next week, and we're going to do it the week after that, and we're going to do it the week after that. All the special music, we're going to do it next week, we're going to do it the week after. It is an Easter every single Sunday, a celebration every single Sunday. It would be appropriate for us to sing Psalm 118 every single Sunday. Blessed is the one who comes. Blessed is the one who, who came for us. God's king, all is well in heaven, glory in the highest. Every single Sunday, not, not just what we often refer to as the high holy days. Every single Sunday is an opportunity to celebrate, to throw a party. A little later, Luke writes that, that Jesus paused, that, that he, he looked over the city in, in the midst of the beginning of the celebration, that he paused on the Mount of Olives. He looked over the city and he, he wept. 
The parade to Jerusalem is heavily nuanced, as was the road to resurrection. I imagine that those who gave all they had, the the shirts off their backs, that as they saw Jesus pause, as they saw him cry, they, they, I'm guessing they were confused. It couldn't have made sense. But as he kind of collects himself and they, they continue down that path, the celebration continues. We remember We remember the significance of of what we are doing today, that it's launching a journey that is heavily nuanced. This week, man, if you don't experience all the highs and lows that you can possibly experience during Holy Week, that's what it is like to follow Jesus. Complete jubilation. And, oh, what comes on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And then, ah, Easter, the resurrection, death is defeated. So as we enter this week, as we enter this week, I invite you to to picture, to picture what it was like for those who were walking with Jesus down that path. Those who were taking off their cloak to put it either on the the colt or to lay it down on on the parade path, using what they had to participate in the story. So every time you put on a shirt, what does that look like for you? Let's pray. Loving God, this day and every day this week, may we remember to use what we have for your kingdom. So the people that we encounter may may know your love, may experience your grace. We pray these things in your name. Amen.